Welcome to Conversations on Sex, Addiction, and Relationships. I'm Wendy Conquest, and I'm here with therapists Tim Stein, Jeannie Vitoni, and Dan Drake. We're going to broach an interesting topic today. Um, so a lot of times the focus is on healing the relationship with sex addiction and betrayal trauma, and how does the couple uh, move forward from that. Unfortunately, sometimes people will decide to separate, decide to divorce, decide if they're not married, decide to end the relationship. And so today we wanted to broach the topic of what's it like when a sex addict or a partner is no longer in the relationship and how do they move forward? What are some of the challenges that they face? And so that's what we're talking about today. There's a there's another wrinkle in there, which is it might be an addict who's single who enters into recovery. And so it's not necessarily that they've gotten out of a relationship. It's I'm yeah. single. I'm in recovery. How do Great I date? Point. Great point, Tim. Yes. Yes. So I, I was in active addiction. Now I'm not. Now I'm looking to be in a relationship. And um, and I think so one of the biggest questions that comes up is uh, so when to have it's commonly referred to as the talk, the talk being when do I tell this new person that I am a sex addict? But here's my here's my simple answer. And then we'll expand on this. Not oh, the date before sex. Say again. Say that once more. Not on the first date, before sex. On the two ends of the spectrum. So on the two ends of you, the you don't do it on the first date, and then but you do do it before having sex with that person. Is that what you're saying, okay. Tim? That's, that is what I'm saying. Okay. Not on the first date, but before being sexual. Um, I can agree. What about what about what about fooling around? So that's so, where the nuances come in. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so. Yes. And also, I want to also get into what it sounds like. Uh -huh. Well, let's back uh, up and, and let's yeah. start with the question of, yep. I'm going to put it this way. And I, 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 I'm, my answer to this question in advance is yes, but let's start with the question. Is it an important conversation to have if you are an addict and you're dating? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and take it from there. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Well, so um, that's a great question. Why? So I think that um, a number of reasons why. I think one of the first pieces is that it becomes part of somebody's history. Mm -hmm. And so if they were in a relationship before and that relationship ended, um, usually the sex addiction is part of why it ended. And so to negate that part, I think is being dishonest, even if it's dishonesty with a mission. And that's not what recovery is all about. Recovery is about being honest and transparent. And can I expand on that too, Wendy? Because I think that, you know, if someone's single, maybe they don't have this, this issue the same way. But if you've been in a relationship, we know that when relationships 
and after sexual betrayal, it's, it's oftentimes, so sometimes it's the, the behaviors themselves that end it, but a lot of times it's the deception and lying and all that stuff. That's what kills the relationship. So to me, like you said, Wendy, if this is starting, you're starting a new relationship, you want to start it with honesty. You don't want to start it with more lies, even if it's by omission, because in my experience, the longer you wait, the harder it is then to now share this. And now we have this whole, the same cycle can happen again, which is incredibly problematic. I think when I hear the discussion, I'm picking up the word, Dan, for your example, when I'm starting a relationship and that's really nuanced for a lot of people. When is it a relationship? And so to have that conversation, you know, transparency, rigorous honesty, a little bit, this is my history. This is where I am. This is how my recovery is, is defining for oneself. Where is the relationship versus dating? And um, I think that's a very individualized process of, of definition as well. Although I just want to also say publicly, I agree <laughs> that yes, if you're starting a relationship, the importance of integrity of saying, this is who I am. This is part of my history. This is part of my future. This is my new way of life. Disclosure is really important. It's I'm gonna... a relationship on a really transparent level. Wendy? I'm going to throw in another monkey wrench, which is that uh, I find that a lot of sex addicts are sex and love addicts. And so I find with, um, um, I'm going to say men and women who identify with sex addiction, they will, if the relationship ends, they will start dating somebody. And then all of a sudden it becomes a relationship pretty quick. And so what I have been I'm going to say suggesting to a lot of people who are back dating is just that genie is, Hey, let's, let's say, let, let's talk about what dating is. It means going out for coffee, having an hour with that person and saying, wow, I like you. Nice talking with you. Let's do this again maybe in a couple of weeks and not tomorrow <laughs> not tomorrow not later in the day but in a couple of weeks and for mo for i i get a lot of pushback on that but what if i really like them but what if i find you know that i'm attracted to them what if you know they're gonna go out and date somebody else you know what if what if yeah the, the uh, trust is hard isn't it because it, it is it's like i want to do meet up with them again tomorrow and I want to do it the next day and addicts when it comes to relationships sometimes have a hard time with that trust I trust that this will evolve the way it's supposed to I want to get back though to the question on why it's important to have the the, the, the conversation about I'm an addict before being sexual um, I don't love this analogy but I'm going to go with it anyway if I'm if I'm inviting or asking someone to be sexual with me and I'm a sex addict, the act of being sexual is potentially my addiction. And so if somebody is going to be involved in a behavior where they might unintentionally be wrapped up in my addiction, I think that they have a right to know that. And so it, 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 it's just saying, hey, before we step into this, here's what I do to keep myself safe. Here's what I do to keep myself contained. But you have a right to know that this is in the mix if you're going to step into this uh, sexual experience with me. Um, 
uh, I was going to use an alcohol analogy, but I'll say it's, I think it's the same as if somebody has an STD. You know, that is something that you disclose before you open up to being uh, sexual with an, another person so that they have the information and they're making an informed choice about stepping into that sexually intimate um, experience with you, knowing the risks. This right there is one of the things that so many betrayed partners didn't get in the relationship where the discovery and the addiction was occurring. And so this is an opportunity with a new person, if when you're ready and everybody agrees in your recovery community that you're ready to be dating, is to be making that choice to be sexual, is informing. That's back to the transparency and integrity piece. This is doing it differently. This is, it's very interesting because Tim, as soon as you said, if you had an STD, you would divulge, you know, this is sex addiction. I think I heard you say is similar to that. I think I heard you say. And so I can just picture the faces, right? Of some of my clients and shame just devours them and saying, well, either I'm never going to date but I'm, I'm, I'm never going to tell somebody right of my sex addiction. That's, you know, until maybe never, uh, or until it gets really serious. So how do we, how do we mitigate the shame? Isn't that part of, I mean, that's good recovery work, right? I mean, that was a, I was going to back us up a little bit and decide how do I know when I'm ready to date? If I'm full of shame for my behaviors and I haven't really worked through some of my trauma am i am i really in a place where i'm ready to take this on or so, am i just using whoever i date as a way to uh, numb and not feel my pain and shame and so i'm really using again it's that love addiction i'm using them and the experience of dating them as my hit and and i'll throw in another piece if a relationship has ended there's the grieving process after a relationship ends right. and so by dating right away, we're short-circuiting that really important piece. So how do, I, I love that question, Dan. How do you know if if you're an addict and you're single for whatever reason you're single, how do you know if you're in a healthy space and you're ready to date? You're asking me? You, I, I, you know, you, you asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so, so. I, I, and I pulled from different things. I think Alex Katahakis with erotic intelligence, you know, she, she has like a, a dating plan. There's also um, my old supervisor, Nancy Sobel. Um, she has, she, you know, she had some, some plans that I would kind of pulled from. I, I put together a list of questions to consider if someone was, was wanting to do healthy dating. First of all, is someone willing to do this? And it's not like there's right answers. It's more of a self-exploration done with a trusted guide or, you know, with a team. So if I can do this, if I'm impulsively doing something or compulsively doing something, that's worth really looking at. Maybe I'm not quite ready because, or if I don't want to lean on my team and I'm hiding it from people, those are not great signs that I'm ready. So I guess if someone's willing to do this investigation, I don't know that any, we can say there's like a green light that says, okay, you're, you're, you're good. You're past, you passed the inspection, you're ready to go or something. I don't think it's, it works like that, but I, I think this, I would say if someone's really built their solid recovery team, They've gotten some sobriety over their behaviors. Um, you know, they've they've done. If if they were single to begin with, it may be a little different. But if if they were partnered and now healing that that rupture after betrayal and kind of healing from from the the, the loss of the relationship, all that stuff. And then I think 
you know, having built your good team, you're, you're, you're leaning on your team and your trusted guides to kind of help. Hopefully, you know, the more people I can build on my team that can see into my life and say, yeah, I think you're, I think you're just using this person. I don't think you're really ready. You're, you're, you feel like this feels addicty to me. You know, those people that can really share love, but also, you know, speak into your life. I think I've, I've, I see that when someone, and they're, they're doing it in consultation. They're doing, they're really trying to be wise and intentional about it. I all love those things. I love all oh. of that. I, I sometimes think about a timeline and, and many therapists that I, I know will tell somebody when they break up with a relationship to give yourself a year, be single for a year before you even think dating. And I, I make, I think that with um, sobriety, ideally have at least a year of sobriety under your belt before you step into being ready to date somebody else that, you know, you've been single, you've been present, you've been able to tolerate and manage the difficulties of life without having to use your addiction to escape. You're in a better space to be able to step into a relationship with someone else um, in a healthy way without unintentionally using them either as a sex object or a love and relationship object. Okay. So I'm going to wind back because this idea of, am I ready to date? Yeah. And, and Dan, I love when you were saying, you know, this not checklist, but that's where I went in my mind. And there's no perfect list that green light go. However, you all have also talked about some items to review and explore. So just kind of recapping, I'm curious if what we're missing so far, we've heard sober, good sobriety or knowledge and process of recovery, having a team to consult with, um, not hiding, not isolating, being being open and talking to others. Some time has elapsed, whether that's from your ending your previous relationship or being out of a relationship, whether it was long-term commitment or not. Um, intentional, intentional of relational with people and not objectifying, dealing with your own grief. Okay, so that's what I've got so far. I'm recapping for listeners. What might be some other factors that if you were helping someone Am I ready to date? Are there any other factors that you might throw out there for them to consider? Yeah. So okay. I think when Tim says don't date for a whole year, again, I can see people's faces. Or their eyeballs going, what? Are you crazy? <laughs> um, so I think we need to go deeper into a definition of dating. And so... I, I, so, so I, again, I'm holding sex addiction and love addiction for the, for the male addicts, certainly for female addicts, but definitely for male addicts too, is, um, can you start seeing people, the, the, the population that you're attracted to as friends, can you be building relationships with people that, uh, so, so it's this whole deconstructing in the brain of objectification, of um, my just my getting my needs met, um, or different tactics around. I'm going to use different tactics to get what I need or what I think I need. So it could be people pleasing. It could be violation of their own boundaries. It could be tactics around being demanding. Uh, so basically also in these coffee dates or going out to dinner or what have you is, is really them 
finding out where they stand on all these different levels of of connection and relationship. So talking about healthy coping skills and personal boundary systems and also deconstructing what is my interest in this other person and how to assess, am I seeing them as a friend or am I seeing them as a sexual partner? Or can I see the friendship part of the person? That, that. So whether whether I, I would be interested in a more romantic, sexual, intimate relationship, how do I relate to them as a friend first? Okay, which is building that healthy intimacy, emotional intimacy, that is one of the key components um, that keeps a, an addict in health rather than sexual intimacy. We're talking about emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I think focusing in that's more, this is more kind of abstract, but building intimacy, not intensity, you know, addiction is fantasy based and intensity based. And of course, here's where it gets tricky, right? The beginning of any, any, relationship or dating experience is going to have dopamine because it's, there's some novelty and there's some you know, excitement with it. So, so you're going to have that, but is it, is the primary thing I'm, I'm, I'm looking for intensity here and, you know, versus I'm, I'm trying to build the other components of intimacy. Can I just say one, one thing you, you, when you brought this in, Wendy, you, you were talking about dating post. So this was also potentially for partners. I'm wondering, we have so much to talk about in the addict side. I wonder if this is another conversation for partners because I realized we haven't even talked partners yet. I was thinking that too. Let's do another episode that's all about partners because I wouldn't want to neglect that side, which is a whole different ball of issues and items to discuss. Should I redo the intro and this one is just about addicts and then I'll say, then we're going to do a second one for betrayal trauma. So redo the intro. Don't don't redo the intro. We'll We'll just go with what it is. We'll put a little something in here. Okay. What do you mean a little something in here? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll do that. I agree. I really think that we should do a, a second episode all about partners and what dating, if you have been a betrayed partner, would look like. Because you're right. There's a lot there. We don't want to water down this conversation, but we also don't want to give short shrift to the partner piece. So I know at the beginning of this, we said we're talking about dating for both addicts and partners, and that is not accurate. We are going to do this episode just as the addicts, and we'll do a whole different episode on dating if you're a partner. And this is this is the perfect example right there, because you get into a subject. Again, this kind of work is complex. And so you get into a subject and you think you're going to be focused here. And then wait a second, there's this whole other piece that we need to talk about. So while we've given big apologies to our listeners, the part is it's also a demonstration of how complex and nuanced this work is. And being an addict, sex addict, or betrayed partner is. And we understand that. So, all right. So coming back to dating. Well, the, I'm, I'm really curious about the dating plans because um, I regularly will refer people to I think it's the SLAA New York yeah. City uh, meeting, one of those meetings, but on the website, they have a very full um, dating plan that they share online. And so it's very specific around, uh, I won't kiss anyone for X number of times meeting. You know, when will I bring someone back to my home? When, wh- when will I 
kiss somebody and under what conditions? Um, when will I divulge my addiction? Right. So it, there's these very, very specific questions that the person has to stop and consider. And with yeah. every person that I've given this plan to, they're like, wow, like I never thought of any of these. Like I just, ha I just didn't think about it. Do they violate the plan? Sure, that happens, but at least it's it's rising awareness and 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 there's a consciousness piece that that comes with it. Dan, well, are those is that kind of along the lines or is the yeah I I love I think Slaw SLA has probably the most robust you know dating plan that I've seen. I don't know if what you guys would say, um, but I, I think so. And I what I like about that what you're saying, Wendy, if someone has a written plan and then they don't they don't honor their own agreement to themselves. That gives us a lot to process and talk about. So if you, this is your intention, this is what you said you wanted. And then you did this X, you know, you, you wanted X, you did Y now what? Um, and we can, it gives us a lot to process. So I actually think it's really helpful. You know, hopefully they can honor their own agreements, but if they don't, that gives us a lot that we can work with. So, yeah, I don't know what you guys would say, what you've seen. I, I really like those agreements and back to, you know, when are people appropriate to date? I, if, if this is the one I'm thinking of, it, it's like no no sex until you've had 13 dates. And I always laugh when I have the addicts come in and say, well, we had coffee and then we went to a movie and then <laughs> took her out for dessert afterwards. And so that's three dates. And I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> one date on one day. And then I usually have to limit the number of dates they can have per week because they want to like get those 13 dates in as quickly as possible. But when I think about those, those dating plans, like I'm not going to kiss them for however long. We're not going to progress whatever that 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 progression along sort of the sexual physical intimacy continuum is. For me, what always makes that so important is by putting sex further down the the path of dating. It allows it makes it easier for us to recognize who is this other person really. How safe are they to be vulnerable with uh, emotionally, uh, interpersonally, intellectually? And what we know is that when we're sexual with somebody else, all the neurochemicals that fire off in our brain create a sense of bonding and connection with that other person, which gets in the way of acknowledging and recognizing how safe are they? Who is this person really? You know, like Dan was saying, when we're first dating, there's going to be all kinds of dopamine going off in our brains. You know, it's that first, you know, first couple weeks to first several months of rose-colored glasses that this person is perfect. And if we don't allow that to sort of fade off so we can see who is this person in reality and how how good of a match are we? How how well are we able to function as a couple moving forward? If we put sex too early in the mix, it makes that real assessment of, are you a good partner for me? And am I a good partner for you? It just makes it so complicated. So I really appreciate those kind of dating plans because they push that physical sexual stuff out far enough so that we can better recognize, hey, who would really be a good fit for me relationally? And it makes that... Uh, a less complicated fuzzy factor. Yeah. And Tim, yeah. what you're saying just remind, yeah, just reminds me of um, a piece, which is if you're starting to think that you're serious about somebody, will you introduce them to your friends before 
becoming serious. Doesn't have to be family, but your friends. And so a lot of times our friends will say, what are you thinking? You know, like, wow. Or, you know, wow, you know, that person was really nice, but I, I noticed certain, certain things. Um, can I, you know, can I share them with you? And I think that that addicts, addicts traditionally and compulsively think that they know what's best for them and they don't. So it, it breaks open this, can I trust the people around me to give me feedback and yeah. can I hear it? You know, this is going back to um, what Dan was talking earlier about um, talking with your recovery group. And I'm thinking in, in, in life of recovery, it is a lifestyle change to live in consultation with trusted people and, and, and who you date and decide to engage in a relationship with of whatever definition you choose. It's using the same recovery lifestyle of sharing this, not isolating, sharing this with others, running it through with others to see if you're missing anything in your blind spots. So whether we're talking about a new job, maybe dating, or dating a particular person and becoming a little more serious, it's still applying the same framework, which is do not live and make choices in isolation and seek others' thoughts and opinions about it. You're the ultimate, the addict is the ultimate decision maker, but it's using the same protocol that they hopefully have been using and learning uh, throughout their sobriety recovery journey. So I'm just, in my mind, I'm like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. You know, when do I start dating? Well, what did your people say? You know, and you were yeah, there, this Dan. is a, it's a bit of, and I appreciate that. It kind of makes me think of the, the isolation part and it's a whole, I don't know if you all have seen this, but, um, there's a whole subset of people that haven't been in a committed long-term relationship who, you know, maybe got hooked on porn early and then they never have had a, a significant long-term relationship. So they could be, 20, 30, 40, 50, you know, it, it could be late. Who knows? There's, there's this, this, this subset of people. So now it's not just about, I have these limitless opportunities and I have, you know, glom onto somebody. Now it's this, I've, I've had this whole history where I haven't really had a, a significant attachment with, with another person. And now how do, how do I even do that? It's porn is promises a lot because it, you know, it, 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 you don't have to face rejection when you're looking at porn or whatever you're doing online. So it promises a lot. The problem is if I never actually put myself out there, then I never learn how to engage. And I, I, you know, we, so I guess there's a lot of these social skills that we sometimes have to teach some of our clients. I don't know if you've seen that. So it's just a different type of plan. I mean, I've had some of my clients just, just getting out there and talking to someone as a human being doesn't even forget dating, forget anything. It's just, can you actually have a conversation with someone when you're at the grocery store checking out, you know, it just like like a one-off kind of casual conversation versus just the shame and putting your head down and not saying anything. So I, I don't, I'm just curious, this is a whole other type of dating plan to, to deal with that kind of rejection that someone is so afraid of. I, I'm curious what you guys do with those situations. I think that's, I'm just really thankful that you brought that perspective in Dan, because so far today, we've been talking about the over-sexualized um, sex addict, but we haven't really talked about the the fearful, the shame base, or just un 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 uh, uh, no practice like you talk about the twenty year old porn addict who hasn't been been in a social experience and teaching them those social skills, and so that's a really important. I'm so glad you brought that up. 
I'm so glad. Yeah. So what do we do with those folks? Well, first we help them learn how to get themselves grounded. You know, how to to manage their anxiety, how to how to go into those experiences and recognize that their nervous system is gonna be, you know, jacked up a little bit because that's normal when you're attracted to someone and you're interacting with them and you're getting a little bit excited. How do they tolerate that? How do they get themselves grounded? And then there's a lot of role playing, usually in group, on how do you make small talk? How do you let somebody know that you think they're interesting? How do you tolerate a rejection? How... Yeah. <laughs> to the point of, I know, I know people who will say, here's a barber that I want you to go see. Go go get your hair cut. Let, let, go go pay some attention to how you look and how you present yourself. Oh. So you bring feedback on dating and... dating profiles or appear. I mean, there is some of that, like how you carry yourself. I, I think, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it is coaching. Yeah. That's you know, that's a that's a tough one because I think and I'm thinking of some addicts that are on the autistic spectrum mm -hmm. who think that they're just fine the way they are. And so if you say, hey, you know, it might be a good idea for you to get a haircut, you know, it's, they're rearranging their hair and they go, I I think it's fine. <laughs> I think it's just fine. So, uh, um, well, and it might be, and it might be fine. The question is, is do you want to engage with others because others may have social expectations yeah. and then it's a choice whether you want to make changes within yourself to meet others' expectations, which is a whole nother conversation, right? Well, and I, it's interesting because is this a therapist role or is this a coach role? Is this, is this a, uh, is as, at that particular time, do, do we hand them off to a relationship coach or, I don't know, social skills class or coach? All of the above. Yeah. I think all of the above are good resources. And I think the therapist can be the coach too. I was just pointing out with, the client may be just fine. You know, they might, I just, I want to honor the introvert, but if they're choosing to want to make efforts for relationship, then they may need to change certain things or try certain things. Oh, and that's what I'm saying. Like they're saying, I really do want to be in relationship. I really do want this. And they have resistance to hearing what they can do different to maybe be more attractive. Mm-hmm. And I would say not just physically attractive, but attractive emotionally, attractive mm -hmm. relationally, mm -hmm. all those things. I I think part of it might be helping them to identify who are you know helpful resources for them. I mean, I remember in my twenties there were women I knew who would take me out and say, "Tim, we need to get you new glasses because you know these sunglasses make you look like a fly." So let's <laughs> let let let's give you let's help you sort of do stuff. And I am forever grateful to the people who took me under their wig and, you know, helped to sort of like get me in, you know, and, and I think that there are people out there and sometimes it's helping our clients identify who are the helpful people out there? Who are the people you want to avoid, but who are the helpful people out there? And, and I, I like, I, I think you guys are putting on, you know, we're not trying to change someone's essence or their personality. I think that's an important point like I you know talk about I'm an introvert and I I don't live in an extrovert's world I and I get in a party situation or big group and I want to hide in a corner like I don't I don't like them I get uncomfortable I have social anxiety so I have all this stuff I'm not going to try to be an extrovert but there are things there's ways that I like who I am and I'm I can make who I am work in a certain situation I can learn some new skills 
but I think changing someone, I, we're not trying to change someone's essence. We're trying to help them meet the type of per, if they want to start dating to, to do that in the most, you know, set them up for success. I think that's the way I would look at it. Not trying to change who they are to be something else. And, you know, I don't know how, anyway, that's just, yeah. I don't know what you guys No, think. thanks. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you for that clarification. Let's I was also thinking of one thing we didn't go into yet. Um, but certainly there's got to be that exploration analysis of who am I attracted to? And the who's am I attracted to? Is that a replay of maybe some childhood experiences? You know, why am I attracted to certain people? And is there a pattern of success or maybe a pattern of not success when being in relationship with others? So I think that's another thing about, am I ready to date? I would add to that criteria list of have you explored your attachment patterns and which ones you're trying to not repeat? Or has your attraction pattern been influenced by porn? You know, I, I oh, yeah. you know, Rob Weiss will, will often say, look, when you're dating, being physically attracted to someone is an important part. But as an addict, you might say, I'm only dating them if they're a 10. In recovery, he will say, look, if they're not a seven, at least on your scale of one to 10, don't date them because there needs to be some physical attraction there. But you're not looking for the 10. You're looking for someone that I find attractive. And what are all the other characteristics and qualities that I also find attractive? Yeah. Yeah. Let's circle back to the question we started with. When do you have the talk? I think that depends on each person, but then I'd also say, and then talk with your recovery group to see when that would be appropriate. We we all agreed of pre-sex and yeah. I, I don't know, did we all agree not on the first date? Cause that could be very off-putting. Yeah. Unless there's some circumstance, I think usually there's not enough built. There's not enough built on the first date. It's, it's just usually too much, I think. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So I think, I think the first piece is for the person to practice what is going to be in the talk. What yeah. am I going to say? How much am I going to divulge? So, you know, they're not going to read their whole disclosure statement. Right? Or their first step. To, right. Or their first step to a potential partner. So what pieces are important to have in the talk and what pieces maybe aren't necessary at that particular time. And, and I, I agree. I mean, it's not a first date. It may not even be a second date conversation. I mean, cause in those points and a, and I'm going to, I'm going to say it this way in a normal, healthy dating progression, you're still getting to know the person. They're still getting to know you. You're still sort of figuring out, do I even want to keep, dating this person a little bit longer and see if it fits out that is not the place to dump i'm a sex addict you you want to be further into the dating progression where you're like i like them they like me i think there's something here but it definitely has to be you know and when we say before sex for me i i always recommend look it's before intercourse it's before oral sex it's before manual sex it's probably somewhere before or around making out with heavy petting where that is exactly i think you, you know people use their recovery guides their their wise counsel as Jeannie and i often refer refer to them to help you guide them 
but it's it's before it becomes into that you know hey this is a more serious relationship with a sexual component to it yeah and one one more point on the, the wise guides i think it's also worth looking as i'm thinking of what i might say really exploring what comes up for me do i i've had this theme play out for some some of my clients that well they're going to reject me anyway so let's just get it over with early so i don't have to you know face the rejection so they almost create this self-sabotaging scenario where it's too much they put it out too soon and and it is too much and then ultimately kind of reinforces itself so really coming in i think that's a really good point wendy like how much do you share what what do you put out there how do you say it you know is this a confessional dumping where you're you're reading your disclosure no i i wouldn't do that but um, where it's it's with integrity, it's it's honest, it's transparent, it's you know said in the spirit of getting to know, and then you know giving informed consent. I think there's all those pieces. But how do you do it? I think is obviously so individual, and having a good team of people that can help support you with that, I think is critical. I would also um, want to add in there of it doesn't have to be a one time talk. There's the introduction and maybe some important basics. And then if it if it's still in a conversation of the coupleship or developing this relationship, then share a little bit more and then share a little bit more so that it isn't this full story all at once. It's sex addict and recovery. This is what that means. This is what that's like for me. Do you yeah. want to talk about it? Can I offer you some information? I mean, there's a way to also progressively as the relationship goes and the trust build and to um, share more and offer more vulnerability. Okay, so how how do you all feel about starting off with, um, and I want to share with you that I'm in a 12-step program, and I also have, um, I'm, I'm in, I'm actively in therapy and counseling to start that way. It's a very soft start. I haven't said anything about sex addiction. 12, if they know any, if the person they're talking to knows about 12-step, they're going to say oh it's got to be alcohol or drug or something right some kind of compulsivity addiction but how do you how do you feel with that soft start what i think is a soft start and it might not be a soft start i like that soft start i i don't know that that's what i what what i would do myself but i, I like that start, soft start what i like about it is that i really think that what we have to teach our clients is that dating is about finding out who the other person is and if you want to continue dating them and when you put that out as a soft start, it gives me the opportunity to find out a little bit about who are they? How are they reacting to this information? How are they reacting to this possibility? Are they open? Are they uh, hesitant? Are they judging? What, you know, what am I finding out about them so that I can decide, are they somebody that I want to continue to date? Or we put it out softly and they're like, I would never date anybody who's in recovery. Okay, glad I put that out there because eventually you were going to figure that out better now than six months in when I'm feeling really more connected to you and it's going to be devastating if you reject me because I'm in recovery. Yeah. It's interesting. So I was thinking a soft start to your soft start. <laughs> you know, for example of, hey, I want to have, I want to have a serious conversation. There's some things I want to really talk about with you. And so, and I'm in a 12 step and I'm in recovery or 
whatever the other pieces one day I forgot 12 step and something um so letting them know that I mean I don't I wouldn't want to casually kind of throw that in to just see you know like a fishing line throw it in see what did you get because I want that person who's receiving the information having a moment of intentional grounding and listening and so I, I'd be worried if it was kind of Tim like you were saying like hey how do you feel about because the person might be going off the cuff and just, but rather than, okay, wait a second, let me really think about this. Cause this is serious. There's, there's an edge of seriousness and I don't know what it is, but I might suggest um, making it an intentional conversation. Are you suggesting that dating should be not only fun, but also have like meaningful, serious sides to the, the dynamic and the relationship? Well, I think I am, sir. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> Yeah, I th I think this would be something you know how to say it when to say it I I um sometimes addicts take themselves too seriously and sometimes they don't take themselves seriously enough and so I I'm I'm it's, this is an edge that I'm really curious about um, because I think an addict is like okay I need to talk to you something that's really serious. And, and the other person's like, wow, you know, we're just having coffee here, you know, like, wait a minute, you know? So I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I love this topic because there, uh, how, how, how do we help people navigate these waters? So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And we will have another conversation for the betrayed partners, partners of sex addicts who are no longer in a relationship with someone who has sex addiction. And so I hope you join us for that. And in the meantime, if you liked this podcast, please share it with people that you think would also enjoy it and also give us a thumbs up and um, anything else that you would like to promote this podcast. And if you have questions about dating in recovery or the best rivers to go kayaking down or any other random questions out there you would like us to have to answer, put those questions in our mailbag at conversations.sar at gmail.com and we will have a ball answering your questions in one of our mailbag episodes. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone.